Aloha, everybody. For those of you that don't know me, I'm Brenda Wong, and my favorite line is this. I'm from Chinatown, San Francisco, and now my home is in beautiful Waimanalo. TJ and I are the pastors that oversee the small groups, and I'm also the Hawaii Air Director of an interchurch ministry called InterVarsity at UH Manoa and UH Hilo. So Jordan and Sonia are traveling with their family in California, and um, I get the privilege of bringing you the word today. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you that um, you are present. Come, Holy Spirit, come and fill us. Fill us, Lord, with your spirit. Open up our hearts, our eyes, our ears. Lord, we thank you for the awesome time of worship. We thank you that we can be here together. And Lord, we ask that you would speak to us today. And I ask that the words I would speak would be from you and for your glory, Lord. So, Lord, open our hearts, open our minds, and we ask that um, you would bring us closer to you, you would activate us, you would heal us, you would activate us as a body together here together today. In Jesus' name, amen. So today I want to talk about greatness and blessing. Anyone here want to experience greatness and blessing? Yeah, I do. Jesus' pathway to greatness and blessing may surprise us. We might think, if I have a successful career, if I have lots of money, maybe a great house on the beach or a house on the mountain, because, you know, you don't want to be overtaken by a tidal wave. If I could travel, then I have arrived to greatness and blessing. Or maybe you're thinking that if you could do whatever you want, whenever you want, and have unlimited resources, you've arrived. Greatness and blessing. Or maybe we just want to be well-known and we want to be publicly acknowledged. We want to do something important with our lives. What does Jesus say about greatness and blessing? How does he define it? I'm always blown away because Jesus' values for the kingdom are always different than our values. And he's so countercultural. And I love the phrase the upside-down kingdom values of Jesus. And that's what I want to talk about today. What does Jesus think about greatness and blessing? Let's look at Matthew 20, 25 to 28. And it's in the New International Version, so it might be um, a little different than your bulletin. Jesus called them together and said, You know the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. So in this passage in Matthew 20, Jesus contrasts two views of greatness and blessing. He talks about greatness and leadership, and there's two ways to go about leadership. You can be a high official and a ruler. You can have authority. You can tell people what to do, and they do it. That sounds like fun, right? Do this, do that, take me here and there. I want to eat this and that. I think that that does sound pretty fun. But Jesus is talking about 
something that's very opposite, something that's extremely different about leadership and what we might see in the society around us and the world around us. Verse 26, Jesus says, whoever wants to be great must be your servant. And then he takes it further. Whoever wants to be first must be your slave. So I'm all about greatness and blessing. I don't know how I feel about being a slave. You get the feeling? You know, there's some tension there. Being a slave, being a servant, it's not as fun as ordering people around and going everywhere and living on a beautiful house in the, on top of a mountain or next to the ocean. But greatness, according to Jesus, the upside-down values of the kingdom, greatness, according to Jesus, is being a servant and a slave. And the essence of Christian leadership is servanthood. And um, when you think about being a leader, I think sometimes we think, oh, it would be great to be kind of like, it would be great to be Jordan, or it would be great to be a director of a ministry, or it would be great to be a small group leader. But let me just tell you that all these people that are leading in the kingdom of God, Jesus is asking them to be the servant of all. And so even though I'm the director of a ministry, really it's all about serving. When TJ and I coordinate our small groups, it's all about serving. And many of you out there are our small group leaders and you know that it's all about being a servant. So we just want to bring it out there that we are following a God that turns things upside down and it's good news. Jesus says in verse 28, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus is asking us to serve, but it's something that he himself led us in. He himself showed us the way. And being a servant is key to who Jesus is. Let's look at another passage quickly. And this one's not, oh yeah, this one is in your bulletin. Um, John 13, 1 to 5. This is um, a story that takes place the night before Jesus dies. So he's gathered with his closest friends, his disciples, and he's in the intimate setting. And think about it. If you were with your closest friends for the last time before you died, you would want to tell them the most important things. And that's what Jesus did that night. He had a meal with them, and then he did something radical. John 13, 1 to 5. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the father had given him authority over everything, and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around them. So on Jesus' final evening with his closest friends and disciples, he does something radical. He doesn't do what a traditional rabbi or master would do. He does what a slave or a servant would do. He gets down on the floor and he washes each of his disciples' feet. He does something that is opposite to the culture in his time 
and he does something that's opposite to the culture in our time. If someone was really great, they would have servants taking care of them. They don't choose to be the servant. Jesus loved his disciples during his whole ministry with them. But now in John 13, we see that phrase, he loved them to the very end of his life. He loved them by washing their feet. He showed his love to his disciples in a concrete way. He took initiative. He got up from the table. He took off his robe. He wrapped a towel around his waist. And he poured water into a basin and washed each of his disciples' feet. It takes humility to be a master who lets go of his place of authority and power and do what a slave would do. And I believe that what Jesus did the last night he was his, with his disciples is a concrete picture of something greater. And so I want to take a brief look at Philippians 2. And this is not in your bulletin, but we'll flash it up on the um, board. If, uh, Philippians 2, 6 to 8. Though Jesus was God. Oh, I'm waiting for it to come up. Okay, great, thank you. Though Jesus was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Verse 9 talks about how God exalted Jesus to the place of highest honor, and he was given the name above all names. This is the ultimate picture of Jesus' love for us. Jesus let go of equality with God. He gave up his divine privileges, and he took the humble position of a slave being born as a human being, even to the point of dying on the cross. Jesus was willing to die for us even though he himself was innocent and sinless. And then in verse 9, God exalted Jesus to the highest place of honor. And Jesus was given the name above all names. Doesn't that sound like greatness? Yeah. God exalted Jesus to the name above all names. So let's go back to John 13 where Jesus washed the disciples' feet. Verses 12 to 17. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, Do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right because that's what I am. And since I, your teacher and Lord, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've given you an example. Sorry. <laughs> to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth, slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. So on the last night that Jesus spent with his disciples, he loved them by washing their feet. And yet, he didn't just stop there. He said, what I have done for you, I have been an example and now I want you guys to do what I did. I want you guys to wash each other's feet. Jesus is calling us to do what he has done. And to love one another by serving one another. And love is what servanthood is all about. 
Love is what service is all about, and that's what Jesus shows us in his last night with his disciples. Though he had that power and authority, he let go of it. And he wanted to show us that if we love by serving others, verse 17 says, God will bless us for doing this. Jesus tells us that the life of blessing, the life of loving others by serving him the way he did is the life of blessing. It's the life of greatness. And we all know that Jordan and Sonia are examples of people that are serving all the time, giving themselves to love other people in a practical way. So some of us um, felt like we want to serve them too. And, and even as I drove Jordan to the airport, he said, we get to serve Jesus. And servanthood is about love. So his motivation for service is that he loves Jesus and he loves the people that he serves. And he sees servanthood as a privilege. So some of us got to help serve them to get them going on their trip. Craig Chong, who is actually, there's a marriage retreat going on right now. And some of them are worshiping the Lord together as uh, couples in Magic Island. And Craig Chong um, volunteered to drive Jordan to the airport yesterday at 5 a.m. Sounds like a servant to me because I'd rather be sleeping at 5. He drove Jordan to the airport and then Jordan checked in and they said, your flight is canceled. And by the time Craig called Jordan, he was already back in Manoa. And Jordan went all the way back. I mean, Craig went all the way back to the airport to um, pick up Jordan again. And I was blessed because I got, um, I volunteered for feeding the animals. They have a lot of animals at their house, including cats. And I don't even like cats. And I was having the wonderful privilege of being with Nana. And I would say I took a step to serve. That was very easy, except for the cats. Um, but I was blessed. I, I took time out of my schedule to serve the saints, and I was blessed. And every day we have opportunities to serve others by loving them. Every day we can serve in our homes with our families. We can serve with our coworkers or our classmates. We can serve in this church. We can be a servant anywhere at any time. And we all, or most of us have heard that the pathway for discipleship at Blue Water is to be a seeker, to be a follower, to be a servant, to be a worshiper, and to be a minister. And that's how we grow in our faith. That's how we grow in our discipleship. And if we don't take that step of being a servant, we will never learn how to love others. So if you're kind of looking at your own lives and you're like, I want to learn how to love others. I want to be in relationship with others. Then this is the step that you're at to learn what it means to serve others, to love others by being a servant, meeting concrete needs that other people have. And um, it's not very easy. <clears throat> if we want to learn to love others, we learn to serve. If we want to learn how to be a leader, we learn to serve. And as I said earlier, it's the upside down values of the kingdom. So I just want to share a couple of stories. One is 
work with InterVarsity and a few years back, one of my bosses came out to um, check up on our ministry and see how we're doing. He stayed at um, a house I was staying at. This was um, way before I was, when I was living in Manoa. And I was living with some other people and there was something rotten accumulating under my sink. And I, along with my roommate, so I was not the only guilty person, we kept ignoring it. So you know how that goes. It just gets worse and worse. Meanwhile, my boss is like staying overnight at my house. He didn't say, Brenda, what a mess. Why does your kitchen smell? Instead, he got up, actually not up, he got down on his hands and knees and he cleaned out that moldy grossness, grossness that all of us were ignoring that had accumulated under my sink. And this was when I was living in Manoa. And I am humbled to say that it happened again when I was living in Waimanalo. Another house guest, you guys are all welcome to stay overnight now. Um, another house guest um, noticed that under my sink it was kind of grody. So he cleaned the whole thing out for me. And I said, you know, this is not the first time some, you know, six foot tall house guest has gotten on his hands and knees and cleaned under my sink. But I would say they were Christian men that understood servanthood. They loved me by serving. When seed opened, I was excited to eat there, but I was not planning on being a volunteer. But I kept noticing that Sonia and Jordan were working, 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 busing, working behind the scenes, hosting, washing dishes. And then I thought, both of them are very busy people. They have families. Jordan's running the church. I better, like, help at seed because we can't have the same people doing everything. So I became a seed volunteer. That was when seed was first starting a year ago. And let me say that I have no restaurant experience except for at a camp one summer. And that was not that great because one of my platters fell over and all the peas went across the ground. But I was working in a restaurant volunteering. And let me just say this. I was blessed. I was blessed volunteering at Seed because of the people that I got to know that I was working with. I was blessed at Seed to bless the people who came to the restaurant, who got to experience God's love because we were serving them water or taking away their dirty plates. Living the life of a servant is not easy. It's inconvenient and it's often not our first choice. For those that come early to set up for church, some people come as early as 7 o'clock. I know, it's hard to imagine, but all these chairs appeared, all this sound equipment is here. This is really a gym. They normally play basketball here. So a lot happens, and we're here, we're worshiping God, we're sitting in a chair. Somebody comes early and makes the coffee. Wow. So they come early, and... You know what? Maybe it's more convenient to sleep in or have a nice breakfast before church. But they are making that choice, church, I mean, they're making that choice to sacrifice. Um, and we all love to worship and have a sound system, but who wants to stay after and clean up? We want to go out to lunch, right? And it's the worship team that comes the earliest to set it up leads us in worship for two services and guess what they stay till the very end and they put everything away I think some of us should help them don't you think they they're working hard all morning how can we live out this inconvenient life of a servant 
Jesus gives us the answer at the beginning of John 13. We need to remember that being a servant is about love. It's not just about doing something practical that needs to happen. It's a way to love. Doing the dishes, house cleaning, talking to somebody, listening to somebody, driving somebody, whatever you have to do when you're a servant, it is definitely more pleasant when you remember that it's about loving that person. And we want to say mahalo to those of you at Blue Water who are loving us by setting things up and taking things down and taking care of things all the way through, all the video stuff. Um, we want to say mahalo because you guys love us and we could not worship without you guys serving. For you who teach Sunday school, thank you for loving our children and sharing Jesus with them. Years ago when um, I first moved to Hawaii, and that was about 23 years ago, we were restarting the ministry of InterVarsity and we were kind of um, looking for student leaders and trying to build the fellowship. And it was a challenging time. I remember meeting this amazing student that I really thought, she's awesome. She would be a great leader in our fellowship. I would love to spend time with her and disciple her. But she was really busy, as, as the good people usually are, very busy. She couldn't make any of our Ivy meetings, but was free for an hour and a half leadership meeting. The only problem was I lived in town. Our meeting was in town. She lived in Kailua. She didn't drive. She didn't have a car. So I decided I'm going to drive to Kailua, pick her up, bring her to the meeting. And actually that meeting wasn't even that great. <laughs> it was an hour and a half and we were kind of going through a transitional time. And then I would drive her back to Kailua and then come back to Manoa. So think about that. Two hours of driving for an hour and a half meeting doesn't really seem like it makes much sense, right? And gas, you know. Guess what? This amazing student that I knew years and years ago has now been on staff with me for the last 15 years and is now one of my best friends. I am blessed. Make the choice to love others by being a servant. Sometimes it's not glamorous. It's usually inconvenient and definitely we can't do everything the way we want to do it. The idea of loving others sounds great, but guess what? We're naturally selfish people. So what keeps us going on to love and be a servant? We need to remember our true identity. John 13, 3. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, that he had come from God and would return to God. So Jesus, as he got out to serve, he knew who he was. He knew that he was coming from God, he was going to God, he knew that he was God's son. And that's what we need to remember when we serve, our true identity. We are daughters and sons of God, and whatever we give, God is going to outgive us. We can only be a servant if we receive God's love and servanthood towards us. And as I was reflecting on what it meant for me to be a servant, I just wrote down some, like a couple of lines. I'm just going to read it. What God has taught me about being a servant. It's death to myself and being alive to God. And the benefits, I am with Jesus, receiving from Jesus, 
and seeing him bless others. I am being transformed from a self-centered, isolated person, and Jesus is with me. So being a servant is supernatural. It's something that only God can do. It's something that we can't do on our, by ourselves. We need to know that he is the source of our love. He is the source of our service. And if we have other motivations for serving, if we want to serve others to look good, to be recognized, or to please those around us, or maybe there's a need and we feel guilty and we feel like it's duty and obligation, we will be disappointed, bitter, and grouchy. Because when we're preoccupied by ourselves, it keeps us from really loving others. If we are self-seeking, we bring on jealousy, envy, disunity, and division. So the challenge for us is, do we just see ourselves or do we see ourselves as part of something bigger? The kingdom of God. TJ and Johanna have been away traveling. Um, they were in Germany with Johanna's brother's wedding. And then they were traveling and they're back but they're at the marriage retreat. Um, so I was talking to TJ and we are talking about servanthood. And they spent a few days on their way back at a Trappist monastery in Belgium. And so this was like a silent monastery. And so TJ's quote is this. If you serve, you're home. He didn't know the language. It was also a silent monastery. They were new to the monastery. They didn't know anybody. But as TJ quietly and silently began to help with the dishes, he said he felt like he became part of the family. He became part of the group there, and that's why he says, if you serve, you're home. Our temptation is to sit back and expect others to serve us. Let me just come here, and I wonder who's going to say hi to me. But we, if we obey Jesus and follow his example of loving others by serving them, our lives will be transformed. There's a quote here I want to read from Leonard Bernstein, the celebrated orchestra conductor. He was asked, what is the hardest instrument to play? Without a moment's hesitation, he replied, second fiddle. I can get plenty of first violinists, but to find one who plays second violin with as much enthusiasm or second French horn or second flute, now that's a problem. And yet, if no one plays second, we have no harmony. So the challenge for us this morning, Blue Water, is will we look beyond ourselves to lovingly serve others? Will we just go for the first chair or are we willing to be the second chair? Because without the second chair, there's no harmony and the music is not as beautiful. And the good news is that if we step out, outside of our comfort zone, outside of what is convenient, outside of what is natural, and trust the Holy Spirit, we will be blessed. We will find joy and love as we depend on the Holy Spirit and love and serve others. And God takes it to a new level when we serve in community with others. And Jesus says, if we lose our lives, we will gain our life. And this is something 
that requires the supernatural power of God. And we're here at Blue Water because we believe in the supernatural ministry of God. But the supernatural power of God is holistic. It's not just doing a miracle and seeing a leg grow or a person um, be healed of cancer, though I love that and that would be awesome. But it's a supernatural ministry to really love one another, to get out of our, our, our little um, walls that we build around ourselves and step out by faith to love, to step out by faith to serve. So the question I want to close with today is, will you be a servant? Will you be a servant in your relationships? All of us know people. We live with people. We might live alone. We work with people. We might be a student. What are some practical ways that you can serve some of the people in your life? Is there something that you have been resisting, but you know that this would be a way to love someone? So I guarantee you opportunities to serve in your relationships are endless. If you want to learn how to love others, start by serving them. If you want to build relationships with others, start by serving them. And as you serve, you will feel the blessing that the Lord has for you and your relationships will grow and you will experience the love that God has intended. So the second question is, will you be a servant at Blue Water Mission in this church family? And it's Jordan's desire that every person at Blue Water would be living out the supernatural uh, ministry and power of God, but also tied in by serving in a ministry at the church and in the world. And Jordan's desire is that we would be in an Ohana group. And not just to show up and sit there, but to show up and think about how we can love and serve one another in our Ohana groups. And I, t I promise you one thing. It takes the supernatural power of God to really get out of yourself and love somebody. To have something you want to do and then put it down because there's something else that the Lord is calling you to do for someone else. And so today in our bulletin, if you could pull out this um, beautiful half sheet that Andy put together, and, oh, Taylor, Taylor, yes, thank you, that Taylor put together for us, and that's his way of serving us, he does the bulletin, and, and so when you think about it, what does it take to worship God together? Look, it's two sides. Some people, let's look on the first side. Some people are coming up at 7 o'clock to set up. And it tells you what's needed. Greeters come at 8 o'clock. And the greeters for the second service come right before that. The cafe setup starts at 7.30. The sound, this beautiful mic that I'm using, starts setting up at 7. Video starts getting set up at 7.30. I mean 7.45. So here are some concrete things that need to happen every Sunday. And turn, turn it to the other side. Parking. At 8.30, there's parking. And then at 8 o'clock, there's intercession. And then I love this title of the Clearwater Revival. The Blue Water Bathroom Cleaning. 8 o'clock. And then we're hoping that second service will end by 12.30. Oh, yeah, not 12.30 a.m. Thank you. It's, it's 12.30 p.m. And uh, we need people to help beyond the worship team and Terrence and Rhodes and um, the cafe teardown. 
So I would ask you guys to take this home and pray and see what is it that you could do? How can you contribute in church? There's need for volunteers with Julie over there at Seed Restaurant in the Justice Ministry. There's the Red Light Angels. So there's a lot of different ways to serve. Maybe you want to be on the prayer team and you want to do prayer ministry. You could go to Dudamon. Maybe you want to be part of hospital visitation. There's opportunities to serve. But let me just throw out one more thing about serving at Blue Water. I feel like it's easy in any church, it's easy in any group of people to be imbalanced. To have a few people holding up the weight for everybody. So let's turn that around. Let's be people at Blue Water that are really letting things be balanced where we all do something and so it's not a lot. You know, think about it. I don't know how many people are here, but let's say it's the time to put away the chairs if everyone took one chair, it would happen in about five minutes. If one person had to put away all the chairs, I don't know how long it would take. But that person might end up also a little grouchy. So I ask you to consider what is your part, not just in serving the people around you, but at Blue Water. And not just out of duty and obligation, but because we really will be blessed if we remember that it's about our identity. Is If we remember it's about loving our Blue Water Ohana. Um, I believe that our lives will be transformed. And there's also joy in serving together. You'll get to know people on that team and, and get to love together. So as we end, um, I want to invite the prayer ministers to go to the side. I want to invite you to the prayer line. If you want to get prayer and you, and you feel like, you know what, I really want to serve, but I'm feeling weak. I'm feeling like I don't have what it takes. I'm feeling tired. I'm feeling burnt out. Wherever you're at, we invite you to get some prayer because God's intention for us is for us to love and be a servant. Or maybe you feel like you've been serving God with the wrong motivations. You've been doing it and you're feeling bitter. You're feeling grouchy. You're feeling like um, nobody's noticing you. Maybe you want to go and get prayer to confess um, wrong motivations and ask the Lord for him to pour out your spirit, his spirit so that we can love and serve out of love. And lastly, we want to invite you guys to go to the prayer team to get prayer for anything, for physical healing or any kinds of personal needs. So let's just um, end in prayer. And I just want to give us a moment for the Lord to speak to us. Holy Spirit, we just invite you now to come. We thank you, Jesus, that... You have served us by laying down your life. You did what was inconvenient out of love. You died for us, and God raised you from the dead. So, Lord, help us to see beyond the immediate um, discomfort of servant, being a servant. But, Lord, help us to see that it is a great privilege because we get to identify with you. We get to receive from you. We get to walk with you in loving others. So, Lord, in this moment now, speak to us. Is there a person that you're calling us to love, to do something practical, something that we've been resisting, a need that we see but we don't want to do it because it's inconvenient? And Lord, I just pray over this Blue Water Ohana that you would just break off anything that would hold anyone here from um, holding back, Lord. We just pray for freedom over this 
Ohana here to love you and serve you. And whatever position, Lord, you call us to, may we say yes. And we thank you that what you have for us is greatness and blessing. In Jesus' name, amen.